Good Morning Liberty. Well, what is up, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of Good Morning Liberty. My name is Nate Thurston, and across from me, the tallest, the smartest, the brightest, the most compassionate and caring, loving individual, honestly, never met a better person than this guy right here in my entire life. That's what everyone says about him. He knows a lot of great people. Trust him for sure. Mr. Charles Chuck Thompson, how's it going? Thanks, man. I'm I'm uh, I'm humbled. You there you go. By your accolades. I was just hoping that that would make you And feel, this is coming from someone who knows everything. I know. So it's, you can't even question it first yeah, off. That's okay. Right. Someone says something other than what I just said. Although you didn't say, let me be clear. Well, that means it's true. <laughs> you know, someone questions something other than what I just said. That's fake news. Yeah. Okay. That's them uh, just lying to, hey, what's up? This is Good Morning Liberty. We talk about life, liberty, and the pursuit of meeting every single day of the week when we want to. And if you are so inclined, make sure you smash the subscribe button, the follow button. Charlie and I are both about to go on vacation, not together, separately, but we're both going at the same time. And he's going to Spain. I'm going to the Dominican Republic. And we're so we're going to be gone for a little bit. This is our last episode, the two of us together. And if something happens to one of our planes, this is the last one ever <laughs> for the two of us at the same time. How many people have their final interaction taken on video? You know, <laughs> I'm just saying it's it's it doesn't happen it's all that often. So, so I guess wild. Yeah. To I talk mean, about. You never know. I'm just saying you never know. You do. Okay. That is true. You do never know. We both got COVID, which means we could have died easily in the last few years. So we're lucky to be here anyway. Uh, first off, that was just the only lead in I could do for this first story from Reason. I I know it felt like a long time, but the two weeks is up. That's really good. Uh, the <laughs> the emergency is ending. The two weeks two weeks to slow the spread. To slow the spread. To flatten the curve. To kill the economy. To destroy your liberties. It's finally up. And the U.S. is finally ending the federal COVID-19 vaccine mandate for travelers, employees, and Head Start. That's why I'm leaving the country, finally, you know, because I can, I can travel. I'm kidding. That's not actually what's happening right now. This means that that tennis star could end up playing tennis. You know what I mean? That Novak. Djokovic. Djokovic. I, we could end up seeing him play in the U.S. sometime because he's finally safe enough to come into the U.S., you know, <laughs> even though he's still never been vaccinated. <laughs> the the most important thing from this, Charlie, I think, is that we don't forget about it. We we don't just let this slide and then just go down the road and we just act like this never happened. OK, now we're at a point where you could come into the U.S. if you had covid and you were vaccinated. But if you weren't vaccinated and you didn't have covid, you couldn't come in now. Someone tell me how that works. It doesn't. It doesn't work. And that is the idiocy no. of the bureaucracy, they Charlie. just make up rules as they go along. Mm-hmm. Whatever they, feels good. Mm -hmm. All right. This from Reason. Do you want to talk about the article? Or? I, if you want to. I mean, I basically hit on all the points already. I just wanted to make fun of the fact that we're okay. just now doing this in May of 2023. Yep. That's that's your government at work, folks. The, mm -hmm. the main thing we'll talk about is going to be the debt today. But we're going to make fun of one other thing, Charlie. Well, by the way, they're still prohibiting unvaccinated non-citizens. Really? Yeah. Wait, what? I thought it was anyone. 
No, it says U.S. citizens may return oh, to the country. Oh, has continued to prohibit. Mm-hmm. Okay, I think that means they're ending it, though, right? Oh, wait. So now these policies. Yeah. Okay, yes. They ended those. They they have continued to prohibit this, but now, now so everything's going to be okay. The federal government's emergency pandemic powers will finally come to an end. Mm, we're going to need a new emergency. What's it going to be? Climate, you think? War with Russia? War with China over Taiwan? Yeah, that's going to happen pretty soon, too. I made it, Taiwan! Oh, now, maybe it could just be war with Mexico. I don't know. Biden, this says Biden. This was written, actually, uh, today. This wasn't written while while Donald Trump was president or mm. anything like that. The president is sending 1,500 troops to the Mexico border because he anticipates a surge. Mm. Not the drink. No. No, not the, no, not that. Not the 90s green drink. Not could that could be kind smuggling of some of that across there. I'm not sure. Yeah. Uh I just wanted to make fun of the fact that he's actually done a lot of the things that Trump did with the border, just like Obama did a lot of the things that Trump did with the border. Trump was just more bombastic about it, you know, just out there talking about it more often. So you're saying they all do roughly the same thing? It's like they're all the same. (laughs) And the only thing that changes is how the media treats them. And how they act. And and I guess how they act, how upfront they they are about it. But... We're basically doing the same thing here. This Title 42, which I think is a ridiculous thing that was still going anyway, where this is what they were using to turn away some people at the border because they could have COVID. Now, I get that people were happy to use that, like people on the right that care about immigration a lot were happy to use this. Um, It's not because they cared about COVID. It's just because they were trying to use something to enforce immigration policies. Anything they could use to do that, yes. So I was not in favor of that because all the other policies regarding COVID were like, oh, that's ridiculous. This is dumb. But but this one, this is the one that we want to enforce really hard because we're mm-hmm. super worried about people coming from down south having COVID. It's, it was kind of ridiculous. Anyway, that policy is ending, and they think there's going to be a massive surge, not the drink. And so now we're going to send troops down there. And what's interesting is I watched some news clips of when Trump announced that he was sending troops down to the border. And that was basically the worst thing that ever happened in the entire world. It's an institute martial law. It's, yes. It was pure it fascism. Was Hitler sending the troops <laughs> exactly. to, for his, for his, well, probably somehow it was uh, misogynistic and xenophobic agenda. And, uh, <laughs> Probably building concentration camps down mm-hmm. there. Now, they can't actually do any... All they can do is sort of assist, like back up the border patrol. The The military can't actually go down there and enforce immigration law. That's... We we don't allow them actually to, to do that. What's that posse comitatus thing? Is that what that's called? I don't know. Judge Knapp so. could, could yell at me about that. In fact, I invite him on to yell at me about how I uh, spoke about that improperly. But... That's what they said when Trump did it. They said, well, the the military can't do anything legally in the U.S. anyway. This is just a big political ploy. This is some of the genius, protective measures. Brand new idea. Enacted. No one's ever thought of it before. By our protector and basically the founder of democracy. (laughs) He knows him, at least. He knows a guy who who founded democracy in the first place. (laughs) It's just crazy oh. how how differently they treat everything. Man. The hypocrites. All right. Now, the those were just brushing over topics, clearly. Okay. The next thing has to do with this debt limit. Let me ask you, Charlie, first off the bat, would you just 
let us hit the limit. Let us default. And let the chips fall where they may. Yes. Yeah? <laughs> I think so. What if it's really bad for the economy? The, then at least we'll be able to rebuild better. <laughs> re, yeah. re, rebuild better? Yeah, rebuild back better. Would you say that you would reset things, like, greatly? Uh, no, just rebuild okay. rebuild back better. <laughs> rebuild yeah. back best. That's yes. what we should do. I would do the same thing, too, because we keep spending... Here's the problem. We spend more money than we have. Yeah, it's not the fact that we have a debt limit. No. That's not the actual problem. <laughs> the real problem... It's like it's like getting mad that you have a credit card limit. Mm-hmm. Like, Why don't they just let me do anything I want? I can't. <laughs> I can't go to Chuck E. Cheese tonight and take my kids there because my credit card's maxed it's out. Literally, your kid getting mad that there's a limit on the credit card. Yeah. Like... Uh, it's totally ridiculous. And what I hate about this is they've also been demonizing Republicans who deserve quite a bit of demonizing. Okay. Totally fine. But they've been demonizing Republicans for playing chicken with the world's economy and trying to negotiate on this. They're not going to negotiate with domestic terrorists. You know, it's not, that's not what we're going to do when it comes to the debt. And so the alternative is we should just keep raising the debt ceiling and just spend as much money as we possibly want. And like, that's the responsible thing to do. But anyone asking for us to slow down our spending or to reduce some of our spending or to move them back to 2022, fiscal 2022 levels, which is what they're actually proposing that we do uh, right now, those people are just crazy people who are holding the entire world's economy hostage. How did we get to that point? I, yeah. Um, well, there's a few ways fiat mm. currency. Yeah. And yeah. then um and then also like we mentioned before they're all the same people. They're just pretending to go back and forth here. Well, I said the Republicans deserve some demonization mm. also because they also spend a ton of money. Now, here's the funny part. The Republicans will get blamed because of these tax cuts. Now, there's this graphic on the Washington Post website. And when you look at the Washington Post website, there's this moving graphic that shows you how the national debt grew. And it starts with the very first thing that is the very first thing that is notated. You'll notice on this picture right here. Bush tax cuts. This is basically flat throughout this time. And then they have Bush tax cuts. And then the next thing is the Great Recession. And the debt is exploding at this time, but they, they portray it as this is how our debt started exploding. Now, this could be part of it. There's something else that happened under Bush at the same time. The never-ending war. Bunch of wars, <laughs> which is like about $5 trillion worth of expenditures yeah. for wars. Now, we can actually... three trillion $3 went to the war. The other $2 <laughs> yeah. went to people around the... <laughs> Overall, we spent the money somehow. Yeah. We, don't, you know, we don't know exactly what happened with it. But you can roll through this thing, and here's the graphic. Now, oddly enough, it doesn't start by saying Bush tax cuts right here when it first starts. It just grows. On the front page, it starts with Bush tax cuts. And then we'll roll through some of this article right here and how this happened, Charlie. It has a lot to do with us not stealing enough money. I'm just going to warn you. We're not stealing enough money. Um, you can actually read, I guess, right here from this yeah. part. United States owes $31 trillion. Washington now spends about $1 trillion more each year than it collects in revenue. Revenue. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Forcing, 
let me reread this for you. <laughs> no. <laughs> now spends about $1 trillion more each year than it confiscates uh, from you, mm. forcing the Treasury Department to borrow to make up the difference uh, I, because there's no other way. I like how the Treasury Department is the one that's being forced here. Yeah. Not the people that f- are forced to give over their money. The treasury, the poor treasury department gets drug over there in chains have, to, to their borrow hands money. Are tied. <laughs> and and let's not blame the spenders no. either. <laughs> Which means the national debt is still growing. Without big changes, the debt will soon be bigger as a share of the economy than when it peaked at the end of World War II. Now, who's been talking about this and how this is unsustainable? And everybody told us we were crazy. But Definitely eventually, eventually. The cats are going to come milk the chickens, okay? It happens but, every time. Mm-hmm. You can't get away. Look at the, what happened to the Romans. <laughs> cats cats yes. everywhere at the end just, of that civilization. That's what we've got to look at. Yeah. yeah. Most of that debt has accumulated over the past 20 years. Isn't that disgusting, by the way? It we've is. been a country for nearly 250 years, right? Yes. Nearly 250 years. And we have 95 or 98% of the debt has all accumulated over the last 20 years. Mm-hmm. What happened? Disgusting. In 2001, the nation actually had a cash surplus. What's that? Under Clinton, by the way. Well, or I guess, yeah, still under Bush, but it Bush. came the from Treasury Clinton. confiscated more money from you than it spent on government services. Since then, four presidents... 10 sessions of Congress and two wars, more like 20 wars, two have contributed to the tide of red ink. Thanks in part to policy decisions made generations ago, Social Security and Medicare are growing in cost and also adding to the debt. Although interest payments remain low by historical standards as a share of the nation's economy, that could change quickly. More recent decisions, budget-busting tax cuts, bipartisan spending deals, and staggering sums to cope with the coronavirus pandemic have all forced the nation to sink more deeply in debt. Here are nine key moments that show how we got here. Now, this is the, the this is how they phrase this all the time. We're used to seeing this. Here's Budget what, busting tax cuts is the first thing. And then the next thing, when they talk about spending, it's bipartisan Always. spending deals. None of the times that it was uh, just Democrats pushing through things, uh, that hasn't added to it. And so, and then we have staggering sums to cope with the coronavirus pandemic. So there's still no accountability taken there. There's a, there's a, well, here's why we had to do this excuse built into why this happened. But they start with the budget busting tax cuts. And the way they always talk about this is that adds to the deficit. And we, as libertarians, we must disagree that it is not the fact that you stole less money from people. It's the fact that you stole less money, but then you continue to spend the same amount. Or more. Or more. Amen. And, and it, actually, it was, it was always more. Yeah. It's essentially always more. Every single year, it's more. So they start with where the debt is uh, here with Bush signing the first two major tax cuts. Uh See, 5.7 trillion, June 7, 2001, Bush tax cuts. Okay, they say that this added roughly 1.5 trillion to the national debt. That's the estimate right now. Now, first off, when they make these estimates, that assumes that you would have had the same economic output if they wouldn't have had the tax cuts 
as when we did have the tax cuts. And then, so say you cut taxes and then we have a little bit higher economic output afterwards. Well, they'll then take what the taxes used to be and they'll apply that to the new economic output that there was afterwards and say, well, this is how much it costs us. What if that wouldn't have been there? What if the economy would have gone in a different direction? Those are things that are kind of hard to figure out, but they love putting out estimations on things. Uh, so that's $1.5 trillion added to the national debt. Uh, then we have the wars. The mm. wars. They say that cost us between 4 and $6 trillion. Jesus, love us. Uh, then we have prescription drug expansion. So that's Medicare, Medicare Part D, major expansion of Medicare to offer prescription drug coverage to seniors, goes into effect nearly three years after being signed into law by Bush. Uh, this went into, let's see, 2006. Republicans who con controlled Congress did not pay for the popular but expensive initiative, meaning they didn't raise taxes to pay for this initiative. This is a problem. They decided to spend more money. That is a perfect yeah. gift from Councilman Yep. You got to join the live group, folks. Yep. You got to go to the Fed Haters Club. Join GML.com. Then we have the Great Recession. All right. We're at $11 trillion at that time. And they say they enacted about $2 trillion in emergency measures to respond to the financial crisis and ensuing recession. Remember, we're paying interest on all this stuff as we go along as well. Okay. Then we're up at $16.8 trillion. Seems like we skipped a couple of things there. Uh, not really sure. Then the Obama Republican deal to extend the Bush tax cuts, which they didn't, they didn't say added another $4 trillion over 10 years on top of what it had already added to the deficit or to the debt uh, before that. Now, when they say this, they say it added it. Remember, they're comparing to a time where they just steal more money from you, which means that when they say the tax cuts should expire and the taxes should go up, we still have a deficit after that, and we're still adding to the debt, which means by not raising taxes still more than that, technically, just by not raising them up to 100%, they're adding to the debt, essentially. I mean, why not just, why not just raise taxes until you cover any amount that you possibly want to spend? Because that would be ridiculous. In fact, you should maybe ratchet down the spending to meet what you could say is fair to steal from someone. What mm -hmm. would you say is fair to steal from someone, Charlie? Nothing. Okay. Literally right. nothing. Well, you are an anarchist. Good job. Uh, then we got, we're at 20.5 trillion. And of course we get to the Trump tax cuts, which just completely destroyed the entire world's economy. Uh, that's what you would, that's what you would learn if you watch probably a lot of Robert Reich videos, things like that. And then, of course, we get into the coronavirus spending afterwards. Now, we're going to go to some better, some better charts to talk about what actually happened on this. But this is, essentially, this is essentially all blamed on the fact that we have tax cuts. And then when we decided to spend things, they didn't raise taxes for those. It's never a problem to decide to spend money. That is never a problem. Ever. It was never a bad idea for the government to decide they were going to spend more money on something. In fact, they they were spending bills that didn't get through. Yeah, they were still wanted to spend course. more. You still the Build Back Better agenda didn't go through, and it was massive. Yeah, and, and we're still we would we would have hit this date a, a, a year ago if that thing would have gone through. You know, triple B rated. <laughs> it's and so the 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 hurdle that we have to get over the thing that people have to realize is that 
anytime the government wants to spend money that has to be paid for by some by taking money from people, and you're not just going to take it from the rich, uh, you're going to take it from everyone, and that it's not just always a good thing for the government to spend money. They never criticize the spending of money when they go through what happened. It's just the fact that they spent money and didn't turn around and steal more money from people to make up for it. So that's the really annoying part to me when it comes to this to this conversation. Um, let me show you a couple more things that are going on before we get into a little bit more explanation. Now, they're thinking about taking this to the, to the Supreme Court, the debt mm-hmm. limit, Charlie. It turns out the debt limit could be unconstitutional itself is just a totally unconstitutional thing. The founding fathers never intended for the federal government to be limited on their spending. (laughs) This from the New York times, a standoff between house Republicans and president Biden over raising the nation's borrowing limit has administration officials debating what to do if the government runs out of cash to pay its bills, including one option that previous administrations had deemed unthinkable. That option is effectively a constitutional challenge to the debt limit. Under the theory, the government uh, would be required by the 14th Amendment to continue issuing new debt to pay bondholders, Social Security recipients, government employees, and others, even if Congress fails to lift the limit before the so-called X date. That theory rests on the 14th Amendment clause stating that, quote, the validity of the public debt of the United States authorized by law including debts incurred for payment of pensions and bounties for services in suppressing insurrection or rebellion, shall not be questioned. So they can always pay for pensions and investigating January 6th. Those are basically the only things that they can continue to do constitutionally. Well, in all the wars, that was suppressing insurrection. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah. Some legal scholars contend that language overrides the statutory borrowing limit, which currently caps federal debt at $31.4 trillion and requires congressional approval to raise or lift. I mean, I feel like Article One's pretty clear that the power of the purse solely rests with Congress. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like... And I don't think the 14th Amendment would um, – I don't think the 14th Amendment would amend those powers. Our problem, I think, is that we don't have any type of constitutional – I think this is where the, the founders really messed up, was not putting in some type of constitutional debt, any kind of debt rules, as whether it's tied to GDP or any kind of constitutional uh, taxation rules, like a set percentage – as a real oversight, in my opinion, if you're not going to, first off, they didn't have the income tax in there to begin with. Of course, that was added in later. But they should have known that the government would try everything they could to continue to take as much money from the people as possible and to always spend more money than what they were actually taking in. Guys, everyone's got to remember, anytime someone tells you, oh, we got to raise taxes so we can pay for all this stuff, it doesn't matter how much you raise the taxes. The government will spend whatever they're taking in plus about 30% or whatever the number is these days. And if you raise taxes to cover what the deficit is right now, they'll spend that plus another 30% that doesn't exist right now. It's not You're not going to solve the problem unless you actually have some type of a balanced budget amendment that people would actually have to pay attention to and mm-hmm. adhere to. And that's something I would get behind. I mean, they're, they're literally... They, they spend so much money that they don't have. They run up so much of a debt. They steal money from us, but not enough. And then they use the fact 
that they ran up so much debt as an excuse for why they have to keep running up more debt. And like, that's the principle. Why do we get to do this? Well, because we did this, you know, mm-hmm. why, why do I get to, why do we get to just keep expanding the debt as far as we want? Well, because we have expanded the debt this far. There's your constitutional rule right there. It'd be too bad for the country if we stop now. Right. Too dangerous. So it's like a self-fulfilling, tyrannical prophecy that they are running right now. And how much longer do we have? I don't know. It's not the... So the debt part, it is a big deal because we got to pay interest on it, right? Okay. The The biggest thing we got to tackle is the deficit. Like, first off, you got to... You got to stop running up the massive deficits and adding to the debt. We have to cut spending. That's what they have to do. Or at least, at least you could go, uh, you could go with what the guys from Words and Numbers talk about and uh, Anthony Davies talks about, and I'll, I'll butcher it and I'm not going to tell you the right policy whatsoever, uh, but you would freeze the spending where it is right now for like five years. And no that, one gets a budget increase. No, because we're always taking well, and in... They, and they always talk about like, oh, this is going to be a budget cut. They still increase the budget, actually. It still goes up. Still yeah. goes up. They just, they're <laughs> cutting what they would have increased it. Yes. By the way. So yeah, freezing, yeah, would be a would be a good first start. Now, one thing the Republicans put in this proposal, actually, is a spending cap. And it is an increase of no more than 1% uh, each year on the spending. That's an actual good thing. Like that's that's pretty good. Our GDP goes up by two percent on average every year, something like that. Mm-hmm. And so, if you're actually the, to cap, actually going to cap spending uh, like that, that's what actually needs to happen. That's not as good as freezing it, but it's still better than nothing. If you freeze it and you wait for five years, well, our GDP naturally growing. We always take in somewhere around seventeen percent of the GDP. Eventually, the GDP will grow enough that uh, we will meet, we will close the deficit if we stop the spending. We freeze the spending where it's at right now. And you don't really have to cut anything from where it is right now at this moment. That's just, that is an insane, catastrophic policy to imagine. Charlie, five years from now, what if we spent the same amount of money as we're spending right now on the government? That is a earth-ending idea right now it's got to be it's got to go up <laughs> that's worse than climate change <laughs> it is yeah, that would at, destroy us at all at this point <laughs> um let's see there's a little bit more on this article i don't know if you want to go go through it some more yeah a group uh, of legal scholars a group of legal scholars and some liberal activists have pushed the constitutional challenge to the borrowing limit for more than a decade no previous administration has taken it up lawyers at the white house and the justice and treasury departments so they all have lawyers by mm-hmm. the way have never issued formal opinions on the question, and legal scholars disagree about the constitutionality of such a move. Quote, the Constitution's text bars the federal government from defaulting on the debt, even a little, even for a short while. Garrett Epps, a constitutional scholar at Oregon, uh, wrote in November, quote, there's a case to be made that if Congress decides to default on the debt, the president has the power and the obligation to pay it without congressional permission, even if that requires borrowing more money to do so. So we can just have a king. We can just have a king. Is this the time that it finally happens? I think, I think we should, it should be, we should reinstitute kingdoms and Hunter Biden Biden should be the next king. (laughs) 
Yeah. And <laughs> free cocaine for everyone. There you, you know? go. Problem yeah. solved. And yeah. you get the prima nocta thing too, probably, that, I would say. Yeah, I would say. All right. So when we talk about the problems, remember that video from AOC? She said, we warned them in 2017 when they were talking about cutting taxes that this was going to explode the debt. Don't let them talk about this in a way that makes you think that we've somehow been taking in less money every year. Okay. That somehow the federal government, the amount of money that they keep taking in just keeps going down and down. Now that we lowered our tax rates, it just keeps going down. No, even the corporate tax rate, even the corporate tax receipts that were taken in still 20% higher than what they were at that time. Uh, overall, in fact, let me show you, uh, let me show you what this looks like. Now they were talking about since those Bush tax cuts, you know, they started off with that little little movement through the 2000s. This, uh, this blue line right here, those are corporate tax receipts. This is the percentage change since this time. Uh, this green line right so there. So after the tax cuts, it went way up. <laughs> yeah, it actually did. After the tax cuts, mm -hmm. it exploded relative to this time. Uh, and then once again, and then the green, this green line right here for anyone watching on the video, that is our total tax receipts. And then the top line, the, those are the expenditures of the federal government. Jesus. So, Charlie, the, from what I'm told... I guess the problem is that we just haven't been taxing hard enough. But what about the spending? Those numbers are too far away for me to read, actually. And so what do we got on those numbers? Spending is up 243%. Uh, tax receipts total is up 184.75%. And uh, corporate tax receipts up 88.28%. Up 88.28% since 2000? I thought that it was going to be going down. We stopped taxing corporations from what I heard, you know? Yeah. So this Absolutely. all this all comes from, from the Fed. Listen, folks, the point right now is the problem is that we're, we're taking in more and more tax money, okay? It keeps coming in. There could have been like a year where it went down sometime. We keep taking in more and more money. But the problem is we keep spending more money than the amount of money that we keep taken in more and more of, <laughs> you know, they're both growing, but the expenditures are growing faster than the tax receipts. Mm -hmm. Don't let people fool you into thinking that we somehow stop taxing people or that we're losing tax money. It's all relative to, well, this is a trillion dollars less than if our tax rate was at 28%. Well, that's $2 trillion less than if it was at 35%. Well, that puts us at a $5 trillion deficit if our tax was at 85%. So who really cares about poor people right now? You can keep drawing these relative lines is what I'm talking about. Um, we got to stop spending so much money. Here's one more thing from uh, 2000s right here. The, uh, the, the blue line, that is our transfer payments. That's what we call welfare these days. Those are government social benefits to persons, uh, to people. That uh, is up 309 percent almost 310 percent in the green since, line since 2000 <clears throat> right or 1998 yeah since 1998 how much was that the uh 309.75 percent the green line is military the, military is up 159.61 percent look at the growth in those two things of course people on the left will say that the problem is military spending and people on the right will say that the problem is welfare spending. This is a rare time in history where they're both right about something. 
you know, so, so congrats. The answer is yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it would be useful to tell them, um, actually, our welfare spending has increased uh, 300 and something percent. Once again, I can't read that. And the military spending has increased 160 percent. 310 and 160. It's still too much. Okay. Yeah. We're approaching the reason I should have said this before we started. Janet Yellen announced the X date, what they call the X date. That's when the world ends. <laughs> Judgment Day is y- what they call Also it. known as Y2K. Yes. Yeah. Just like Y2K. Uh, there's a chapter in the Bible about it mm-hmm. uh, towards the end, I'm pretty sure. Uh, or it's Judgment Day if you watch Terminator. It's scariest environment imaginable. It's, it's something that we've all seen plenty of movies about. That's when we have to have a decision on this debt. And they announced it's on June 1st. Mm. Okay, that's the date uh, that the that the world ends. Okay, so literally we have thirty days, <clears throat> and that's sooner than what a lot of people thought it was going to be. Hey, y'all, live it up out there. Yeah, <laughs> good luck. Have fun. Do whatever you want. Spend yeah. to your heart's desire. It doesn't matter. Okay. Now we we can harp on the politicians quite a bit for this, but once again, I'll say it's not the politicians; it's the people. Because we want more than we've earned. We want more than we've paid for. Too many people want something that they didn't pay for. And you keep vote, we keep voting the same people in. Yeah. And those so, people do terrible things, but they do it because if they don't, we wouldn't vote them in. we vote someone else in. That who, would. Who said that they would do it. Yes. And so as we... You have com- politicians literally running campaigns now saying, if you vote for me, I'll give you a UBI. <laughs> True. Like, literally. <laughs> uh, I... They're bribing folks out there now on national debate mm-hmm. stages, and no one's getting in trouble for it. This is uh, just one more chart for people that are watching on YouTube right now. That's uh, ex- Those are the receipts, the green, the, the, the red line right there would be the, the deficit, what's happening right there. So those are the expenditures on top of that. Um, like we said previously, AOC complained about the Trump tax cuts. We've increased our spending <laughs> by 40-something percent since that time. Okay, we've also increased the amount we're taking in in taxes during that time, but the spending went up way too much. Okay, I got a Magoo said Hunter Biden. If you vote for me, I'll give you a UTI, (laughs) not UBI, UTI. Here's a TikTok video for you, Charlie. All right, and this is uh, is it is it Wolf? I think this is Richard Wolf on here. And when it first started off, I'll admit, they got me. I was like, okay, communism doesn't work. That's good. One less thing. Communism doesn't work because if everybody's the same, it doesn't matter your performance, people will inevitably... Capitalism, I would argue, is not working. When the wages stopped rising in America after the 1970s, how did the American standard of living keep going up over the last 30 years when the wages didn't? We borrowed... We borrow, just like them. But you know, after a while, if your wages are flat, and the only way you can increase your standard of living is by borrowing, you don't need rocket science to understand, eventually, you'll have a level of debt you can't support on a flat wage. Now, some of the principle of what he's talking about is true. Mm-hmm. The, the principle, unfortunately, is building it on a on a faulty statistic, like the fact that our wages have been flat since the 1970s. <coughs> and this is something that you Although hear, you could argue they've been <clears throat> flat, I would say. Many people could argue but what that ha- they've been flat. What happened in the 70s? 
greed took over, Charlie. We went off the gold standard. Oh, okay. That's one thing. Okay. We had insane inflation in the 70s. For some reason, that had nothing to do with the gold standard. Don't try and tie that to the gold standard and all the spending. This is something I think Ron Paul is one of the best at, um, at explaining the the gold standard and sound money. So if you want to learn more about that, go check out Ron Paul's books or watch him talk about it. If you never, if that's your first time hearing about Ron Paul, we'll put a link uh, in the show notes. I think he's going to do great things. (laughs) Just so you guys know. (laughs) Okay, the problem with the wages staying flat, the weekly earnings staying flat, that works if you use this one very specific statistic, Charlie. One statistic. If you use any of the other statistics, you will not come up with the wages being flat since Mm -hmm. then, just so you know. But if you use one, average Weekly earnings of production and non-supervisory employees. So it's no one in a supervisory role whatsoever, no one in management, although a lot of people get put in a supervisory role these days to make themselves feel better. With no subordinates. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So I would question the statistic uh, because of that. Uh, So production and anyone who's not in management, I guess. Now, this specific chart does not say that it has to be full-time employed. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt that it does have to be full-time employed because if this is part-time averaged in with other people who are, you know, some people were, you're talking about weekly earnings. So if you're talking about some people working 10 hours and some people working 30 hours and you're averaging those together, that's a problem. Here's one issue with this chart of many. One issue with the chart is, the productive uh, production and non-supervisory employees. What happens as you become a supervisory employee? Your your wages probably go up a little bit, right? They sure do, typically. And then you drop off of this chart. You're okay. no longer counted. <laughs> so first off, you're tracking just this specific group of people. You're not tracking a specific person moving throughout time and whether or not their wages have gone up. You're talking about a specific class of people and you're using averages. And it's way easier when you're so you're selecting no one in management whatsoever and you're using averages for the average to be pulled down, not up. It's not going to get pulled up because the people who are making more don't fit into this chart. So you're only going to be averaged down. Also, I mean, we're still talking off of all false pretense that we have a capitalist system, <laughs> by true. the way. Are you saying that's not real capitalism? Well, I mean, (laughs) capitalism means free trade. Do we have free trade currently? Or is it heavily restricted and would be considered more fascist? We definitely live in what I would consider to be more of a fascist economy. Yes, that's that's true. Not that doesn't mean that we hate Jews. No. (laughs) It's not just talking about the economic system. Means that we allow private private ownership. But government controlled. And people are like, oh, it's not government controlled. Oh, really? Show me a business that doesn't have to subject itself to tons of government regulations. Well, just because it's not or total government control, but they can essentially craft any piece of paper they want to get you to do anything that they want. The government comes in and does audits. They can shut you down. <clears throat> they can make you fire board members and replace other board members with their, with their people, by the way. So... And I'm not saying people that still work for the government. It's like they're buddies. So one thing that uh, once th- when they talk about these wages remaining flat, if you want to use this stat, okay, that would mean that since 1970 or whatever the year is, it's not higher than that. Now, what actually happened was after the 70s, when we went through 
really terrible inflation, went through kind of a recession period of time. The the weekly earnings like crashed down pretty hard, according to the way that this chart is laid out. Until we got to the mid-90s, we got to the internet age. We got a all, whole new online uh all, I mean, we got a whole imagine the businesses that exist now that didn't exist before the internet. It's a lot. This mm-hmm. is one of them right now. Uh, it actually has moved up quite a bit starting from the 90s. So once you get from the 90s, it has continued to move up almost every single year since then. But it has not moved over what it was in the 70s. Now, do you think that we're doing better than people in the 70s were, even if it's flat? Because imagine... People in the 70s, they couldn't buy any of the stuff that we have right now. Maybe some of it. Mm. They could buy some of the stuff that we have right now. But with our earnings that are flat, if you're in production and you're not in management, uh, we actually can live a way better life without even taking out a bunch of debt right now than people in the 70s could. The standard of living actually did go up quite a bit throughout that time, even if it did remain flat. And it didn't remain, it didn't remain flat because there's another thing they're not taking into account, which is the amount of people that now have healthcare through their jobs, some form of healthcare, some type of subsidized healthcare through their jobs. Even people, I don't mean even people, people at places such as McDonald's or Walmart are paying towards retirement plans, 401ks. They're getting some, it might be smaller amounts, but they get some matching on those plans. They get discounts on health plans. We got discounts on health plans when we worked at Olive Garden. And that's not something that was super common starting at this chart there in 1965. Mm -hmm. Now, that's not counted, even though the business spends a bunch of money towards those things. You know, that's part of your pay. They just do it as a a benefit for you so they can write it off, you Mm -hmm. know. But still, it's a value that you get. And these charts don't catch that. This isn't total compensation. They're not catching... Any of that. Even though what they'll do is they'll compare this to CEO compensation, which counts a whole bunch of benefits. Right. (laughs) Not what they're actually getting paid. It's it's all set up to try and manipulate you into a specific feeling. I thought this was a lot better statistic. This is the CPI adjusted median weekly earnings for people that are employed full time. Okay. Median weekly earnings. And you could look at this chart from the 1970s up to basically about last year and see that it has moved up a decent amount since then. Looked like a a big drop-off there. What happened? Well, (laughs) this virus came in, and one of the stipulations of the virus... Was that we needed to bring that wage earning down. The only way that you wouldn't uh, die from the virus is if the Federal Reserve printed, like, you know, six trillion dollars or something like yeah. that you know not a not a big deal it's, it happens with viruses same thing with the spanish flu so uh, <laughs> they when, have a lot of demands those viruses yeah. <laughs> and we bowed to some of them okay but never again or you even see I, the government saying they're not i want, an, I want an america that won't negotiate with viruses you know just like we don't negotiate with terrorists we don't negotiate <laughs> with viruses so <laughs> these people like richard wolf that's his name yeah dick wolf We've talked about him before because he says a lot of dumb stuff. And he's one of these prominent commies out there that hates capitalism. And so he hates it so much, he goes around and he accepts massive speaking fees to go around the places and tell them about how terrible capitalism is. Probably has a couple books. you know. (laughs) Yeah, got some books out there, of course. That thing, which I'm sure he just did for free, didn't take a big... No. 
didn't take a front or anything for well, it. Well, they had to buy tickets to the tour, you know. But oh, yeah. You get a free book included. True. Yeah. True. That's right. And he does, these people do this by starting with a false premise that wages have remained flat since the 70s. And then he talks for another three minutes in the video. And he's very convincing about it. He talks about how well to have a better standard of living, you had to take out more debt, you know, just like people in the capitalist class have. They keep getting more and more debt. And he builds this big narrative about how you've just been getting screwed. But he builds it off of a false premise to start with. And if you if you don't question everything, and you don't look up if you don't look up every single thing that someone tries to use to lie to you and manipulate you, then three minutes in, they might have you. Uh, Killing capitalist landlords later on tonight in your spare time, mm-hmm. you know? Okay, it's a little bit too far. I got it. But maybe you have <clears throat> just a little bit more of a negative feeling, not as strong in your free market principles afterwards. So right. just look up all the data, or we'll do it for you. And it's, yeah, it's easy to be manipulated. It, it is. sounds like someone knows what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. That's why you have to be really grounded in the truth. You have to be grounded in the principles and make sure you're open to looking at all angles and be willing to be wrong. That's part of it. And then that way you can debunk things like this. He's a smart guy. Like he, it's true. Like he picked a statistic that is true, but you have to believe that average weekly earnings of production and non-supervisory employees and the private sector. I don't even know if this is taken into account, whether or not they're full-time or part-time. You have to agree that, this is the barometer of whether or not our unfeathered capitalism has gone too far is this specific statistic right here. But it's not because it doesn't take so many other things into account. But you can use it if you want to. Mm-hmm. That's what he did. All right. Let's, let's go. All right, y'all. If you enjoyed today's episode, like Nate said, please smash that subscribe button, share the show with uh, anybody you find willing to listen, and then get them and yourself to join GML at joingml.com to be part of a Fed Haters Club. That's the place you want to be, the Fed Haters Club. What if they get a shirt, though? You can get a shirt. God Hates Feds. Yeah, godhatesfeds.com. It's also a place you can sign up for the live group, so godhatesfeds.com. And if you care about privacy, then the only true free privacy messaging app is Converso. So go to the show notes and click the link and download Converso and text us at 555-184-3042. That's 555-184-3042. Charlie, you, you, have, a, you have yourself a good vacation. Do okay. all those things. Yeah, have fun in the, the DR. Charlie, what's vacation mean? It's a place you go and you never come back. <laughs> I hope that's not the truth. I hope it's not true either. Uh, regardless, we'll see you back. The, to, we'll be together. Mm-hmm. Again, for another show on, I believe, the 18th of May. <laughs> That's crazy. In between there, enjoy some interviews. Just be a lot of me. And Nate. Yeah. So, until then, I hope you have a good day and a good morning, Liberty. <laughs>